Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Be the first to experience Great Wolf Lodge Manteca, your drive-to destination for family fun. Bringing families together guides everything we do. It's why we created the Paw Pledge, our program focused on health and safety so you can focus on your family. Sure, there are water slides, games, and plenty of adventure, but we're here so you can connect and grow closer than ever before. Let us keep you safe while you play. Book your family getaway at the new Great Wolf Lodge Manteca. Use code CALIFORNIA for exclusive deals at greatwolf.com. Kmart announces the Freedom Store is closing forever. Millions of dollars in inventory must be sold. Storewide discounts up to 75% off. Every department is on sale. All fine jewelry, fashion apparel, footwear, toys, health and beauty aids, and cosmetics are now on sale in-store. Everything must go. Nothing held back. Selling to the bare walls. Even store fixtures are all for sale. Shop now for best selection only at the Kmart Store in Freedom at 1702 Freedom Boulevard. It is business as usual at all other Kmart stores. What's up, everybody? This is Hall of Fame wide receiver Terrell Owens here, a.k.a. T.O. Get your popcorn ready. Do a favor. Leave my guy Connor a five-star rating after the show. Listen to it. uh, Give him some feedback. And also, if you want to listen to my podcast as well, uh, check it out. Subscribe, share. Uh, You know, you don't need to leave a five-star rating. You know, uh, we're five-star. I'm five-star all the time. Uh, My podcast is called Get Your Popcorn Ready with T.O. and Hatch. Uh, Again, check out both of those podcasts. And, hey, check it out, listen, and subscribe. Thanks for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Broad Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, or ever podcast platform you are listening on. We greatly appreciate it. Got my co-host Tyler Steggy in the house today, back on the airwaves. Like uh our Eagles Brawl Twitter account said, your your mother's favorite podcast co-host is back on the radio. Tyler, you hit me up. You said Man, I'm tired of listening about this disrespect, the noise, the Zach Ertz. I need to get on the airways and preach the good word of the Eagles' best tight end in franchise history. And I agree. I think it's time to go on there and start praising, really, their best and most consistent offensive player uh, catching the ball. Because, really, I would say their best – no, let's just go ahead and say it. Their best and most consistent player outside of probably Jason Kelsey would be Zach Ertz. Uh, so we need to go in and discuss why we believe that, why we believe he's so great. He's kind of getting to the point where he's being underappreciated by fans. I believe because, and I'm sure you'll agree, mostly because of breaking broken tackles. He doesn't break that many tackles, which I can live. You're going to live and die by some player's flaws. Every elite player has a flaw still. There's always something in their game that you're like, 
I would, I, if I'm a Julio Jones critic, I think he could score more, and he doesn't. There's my criticism of him. So I, I can criticize any of the greatest players out there and still acknowledge how great they are. And I think Zach Ertz is no different. Tyler, it's a pretty yeah. good word, my friend. Yeah, there's there's a lot of pent up aggression here, uh, and this is years going. Um, Zach Ertz has been, like you said, the most consistent consistent thing um, outside of Jason Kelsey probably for the last three years. He's led the the team in receiving for three straight years. Um, I mean, when you're when you're talking about the talent on the Eagles, you, you always hear um, the last two years with injuries, uh, Deshaun, Mike Wallace, no speed no depth at receiver. Well, the only one that's been consistent is Zach Ertz. And because of that, he's gotten a lot of attention from defenses and he still produces. Um, and then, like you said, the, I think it's yak ability and blocking, and we're going to get into both. Um, there's narratives surrounding Ertz, but I mean, he's a tremendous player. He's on pace to, to be a hall of famer. Um, it's what, what sparked this entire thing were the Madden ratings. Um, and uh, we'll get it. Go ahead. So here's my thing about Zach Ertz before we get into all that. What is the number one thing that we complain about Eagles wide receivers the most, would you think, besides separation, I guess? Because I think Drop. that's the only thing you can say. Yeah, okay. So from 2015 and on, Zach Ertz has been targeted over 100 times. That's a lot of targets. That's obviously showing you the number one possession guy in Philadelphia. The most drops he's had in his career are seven. That was in 2015. It's 2018 when he broke that record for receptions by a tight end. He had 154 targets and he only dropped the ball six times. Yeah, you know, you need that type of reliability in a passing error league, and to get that from your tight end and not from a wide receiver is kind of unheard of, to be honest with you. And and before like, it, it's almost as if people are like, "Hey, Ertz is good at receiving. Let's move on," you know. But no, like, let's actually hone in and actually focus in on what he can do and bring to the table. You know, he, he's an incredible tight end. I, I tweeted that he's the best receiving tight end in the NFL. And I stand by that. Um, there's no tight end that requires more attention. Um, there's no uh, tight end that creates more separation. There's no tight end that is um, a better route runner. Uh, and when you, you talked about, you can find a hole in everyone's game. Yes. He doesn't create um, yards after catch, but he creates so much separation <laughs> that 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 is technically I mean you're getting yards there um I mean his if you were to talk about like a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle because those are the the top three tight ends in the NFL and you're nitpicking when it comes to you know who you prefer George Kittle is absolutely the best blocking tight end um but when you're talking about the gap between his blocking ability and Ertz's receiving ability to Kittle that is where the conversation starts of what's more valuable to you and what's more valuable to your offense. Um, and like to the Eagles offense, I think if you slid George Kittle in there, I don't know if he would be as productive as Zach Ertz. I don't think he would be nearly as productive. Um, and I think if you vice versa, I think if, uh, if, if Ertz was in Shanahan's offense, I think that his yak ability would be a little bit better with the misdirections, the play actions. Um, so I think context does matter. Um, and it's not as simple as just, you know, this guy has 1,300 yards or 1,400 yards. Um, everything is different. And, and like I said, I mean, the, the biggest thing, the, the, the most important thing to me, and we talk about the Eagles' speed, you know, 
Carson Wentz is the happiest person when it comes to Jalen Rager, Deshaun Jackson, the Goodwin, the, the addition of speed. But the second most happy person is Zach Ertz. He finally has some space around. He's going to be able to, to work with space. I think it's crazy. I think, what, is, is Ertz entering his eighth year? It's his eighth year, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's this is kind of wild to say, but I don't think that we've seen the best Zach Ertz. Um, I don't as far from production wise, I don't think that we've seen the best Ertz. I don't, I think his early years he was sharing time with with Brent Selleck. Um, and then finally he was his, got the starting role, but he was playing with quarterbacks like Sanchez, Bradford. Um, so finally he has this chemistry with Wentz, but now it's been injuries. And not to make excuses because he's been ultra productive despite all of these hurdles that he had to overcome. But when you do add in speed and you have Wentz entering his fifth year, he's a he's a seasoned veteran now. I expect Ertz for the next two to three years to be again in the conversation for the best tight end in the league. I don't I don't think that these thousand yards, one hundred catch seasons are close to being done. And tight ends age like wine too. I mean. It's that's another thing. People are talking about trading him. It's like, why? He's still in his prime. Zach Ertz to the Eagles offense is what Michael Thomas is to the Saints offense. I I, I like that. And I think that's fair. It's exactly the truth. It's yeah. the truth. I, it, it's exactly the truth. And I take away the statistics and all that stuff. I mean, because Michael Thomas has crazy targets and reception numbers, but so does Zach Ertz, obviously. Uh, and he led the league. I mean, he, hey, he set a record for tight ends. Uh, in receptions uh, 2018. But the thing about Zach Ertz that people harp on the most is the blocking. And even last year, you saw it. The Eagles have shied away from putting him out there in pass blocking through, uh, situations. In 2018, he was out there for 47 pass blocking snaps. In 2019, he was out there for 22. So and, the and how can you? You know, like, why would they make him block? Like, well, yeah, because yeah. better at it. So, and it, not only that, it frees up Zach Ertz to do more situational stuff anyway. So that's it's important that Goddard's better than him in this aspect that the Eagles accept that already and move on and use Ertz as a receiver because the receivers aren't producing anyway. So Exactly. My thing with because harping on Zach Ertz for the blocking is annoying. I'm not I if he's not good at blocking, fine. He's good at everything else that I need a tight end to do. And especially in an Eagles offense where you cannot rely on your wide receivers and I'd argue in twenty twenty it's going to be slightly better in 2019. It's not going to be that much better. It, it, I don't know if like, to play a full season. I don't. I don't know what this pandemic is going to do to rookies like Rager. I don't know what's going to do to a second off, a guy who had a struggling rookie year who needs the second offseason to get better and get your second white side. I don't know how Alshon's going to heal. I think this is again. This is another year where you're going to need Zachary to step up. But yes, you're right. He finally has speed on the outside that can create more space over the middle for him to operate in the middle of the field and. He's always going to be once his first read, and no matter what, he's going to and, lead the team in targets. He's going to lead the team in receptions again. It's not, that's not going to change. Absolutely, and to piggyback, he has better opportunities. That. He has better matchups. So yes, I agree with you that you could see a crazy, maybe fantasy type production year for Zach Ertz because he's going to have a. I think he. I, I said on the show, I think Dallas Goddard might might lead the Eagles in touchdown receptions, but if it's not him, it, it's going to be Ertz. It's going to be yeah. one of them, right? Yeah, and and just real quick because I'm forgetful to piggyback on the blocking thing. I think like week three it was against the Lions. I don't know if you remember, but Deshaun was hurt. Uh, Alshon was hurt. I think Jay Jaw was the team's number one. There was a point when the Eagles were in the red zone where they were the the Lions bracketed Zach Ertz. They had they just put two defenders on him. So it's if you're putting your best 
receiving threat as a blocker. He just can't for the last two years. He can't be asked to block and when it's a passing down. He just can't. Like it's you're well, taking 2018, away. I was gonna say 2018 though. He that was his best year as a blocker by far. Yeah, uh, and it was and a pass blocking. Run blocking it's, wasn't that great. It's not as if he's incapable. He's not an incapable blocker. They run two times. He hasn't given so- up a sack the last two years. He's only given up four pressures total the last two years. But last year, they, like I said, they barely had him on the field for pass blocking. It was only two, 22 snaps. But the year prior, in Guyer's rookie year, when they were still trying to figure him out, he had 47 pass blocking snaps. And he only gave up three total pressures in total. And he had a 71.3 pass blocking grade by PFF, which is above average. So, I mean, it's not like it's not like he's how he – because I know that's the number one thing that we'd harp on him the most is like, wow, is that Gertz Roy can't block? But in 2018, I think he destroyed that narrative. In 2019, the Eagles used him more as Zach Ertz than rather than what he's not the most comfortable doing. Exactly. Exactly. Use him to your strengths. There's no point to to put him as a blocker. Again, it's not as if he's incapable. The Eagles are one of the best running teams in the league. They run high two two tight end sets more than anybody. So it's it's not as if he's a liability when he's on the field when it when it comes to run blocking. Um, and and I mean pass blocking to me in in today's NFL, I don't. If you're having to have your your tight end line line in and, and have to pass block, I mean, to me that just is a a uh, a red flag when it comes to his receiving ability. Um, it just isn't. I I don't really look for that. Can you catch? Can you create separation? And can you run block? Um, those are the things that I'm looking for at a tight end. I I mean, there are going to be uh, special occasions or rare occasions for you to pass block, but to me, I kind of overlook that when I'm evaluating tight ends. Here's what's important to me about Zach Ertz that I want to elaborate on and then we'll go into like the Madden rating and uh, where do we have him rank as our tight ends in the NFL because I think it's, I think it's a little fun discussion but the thing that's most important to me about Zach Ertz that everybody talks about is Carson Wentz's passer rating when targeting Zach Ertz ever since Carson Wentz has entered the league in 2016 he has not had a passer rating below 96 when targeting Zach Ertz it was 96 his rookie year 114.2 in 2017 hundred point one in 2018, which was a mix of ones and mix of fulls. And then 101.6 in 2019 last year, the full season of once. You can't beat that type of production. When you're that reliable and your quarterback is that productive when targeting you, that's an elite tight end. It's a, if a tight it's end's a, doing that, if a tight end's producing it at that level of a receiver for your quarterback – I mean, everybody knows that Zach Ertz is the Eagles' offensive security blanket. But that type of production, like, when you see those numbers up close, you're like, whoa, he's doing a lot better than what we think he's doing. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I did his last two seasons average. And, again, this is with no deep threat. Uh, last two years, 2018-2019, he's averaged per season 102 catches, 1,039 yards, seven touchdowns. And his catch rate, this is what's bonkers. His catch rate is 70%. To give perspective, Devontae Adams is 65. DeAndre Hopkins is 69%. So he's got a better catch rate than two what's called elite receivers. Um, and then, like you said, I mean, just the security thing. I mean, he's just so consistent. The people, the the, the fans that are just, like, willing to just trade him um, or that, are, that have discussed it, and I know it's just off-season talk because people get bored. Um, with their own lives it's 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 nuts to me but I mean you're also just think like you just said Carson Wentz the rating these guys rely on him this is Carson Wentz's favorite target and it's very apparent 
Um, so you, you can't just think of, of and this is a segment. People that want to trade him, that people that want to trade him can't comprehend the Eagles' offense. It's they can't it, comprehend it's the twelve personnel. It's nuts. Not not even just to go into the Eagles' offense and what they do as what they run because I think a lot of people harp on Doug Peterson. We'll get into that a little bit in the episode, but the Eagles are a twelve personnel offensive system more than anything. And obviously, that's not a whole entire system. It's a West Coast offense with spread concepts, but it's the majority of their lineups are in 12 personnel. You don't need to trade a tight end just because you have Goddard in the wings. You don't need it to get rid of Goddard just because he's a great tight end that you can get trade value for. The Eagles need these two tight ends because they can't even trust their wide receiver position. The Eagles are in no position to talk about trading away their number one target when they have an aging Deshaun Jackson who is questionable on the team right now with everything going on. They can't trade Zach Hurts when their first-round pick wide receiver comes in learning the offense during a pandemic where we're supposed to social distance, and all they have right now to go off of is virtual team meetings. It doesn't work like that. They can't trade their number one target when Alshon Jeffrey goes to Josephine Anderson, bashes the starting quarterback, and has been (laughs) on a sharp decline his entirety – of his, con- his contract extension. They can't trade Zach Ertz when J.J. Arcega-Whiteside looked as bad as he did his rookie year. They're not in a position. The Eagles are in no position whatsoever to trade away their most reliable, best target. And so, his pro- he's, he's still got at least yeah, five years. At least five more To years. maximize a trade value on a player because his backup is good too in a position where they use both of them, that's like saying we should trade – let's just say – Theoretically speaking, Jalen Rager pans out and the Eagles draft a wide receiver in this upcoming draft. You're going to come to a point in both of their contracts, you're going to have to pay them a year. One, you're going to pay a year after you pay the other. So people are going to tell me that they'll say trade Jalen Rager because your other wide receiver is good. Right. So you don't have to pay both of them. That doesn't make sense. You need two wide receivers. Well, Connor, why would you need two tight ends? Oh, because the Eagles run 12 personnel, 70% of their offensive snaps. You can't fucking complain about lack of talent and then want to trade your best receiving talent. You can't complain (laughs) about lack of receiving talent and want to trade your head and shoulders best wide receiver. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Because that's what he is. It's not even a tight end at this point. Stop positioning him at this point because he's your best receiver, period. Yep. He's a receiver. Here's the thing that. Where you and I talked about where I think this improves a ton because, yes, he can do it. If you target Zach Ertz 10-plus yards down the field on the outside left, he's incredibly productive. Uh, last year, the Eagles were 10 for 14 targeted him out there, 156 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Once had a 108 rating targeted him out there, but they had no speed. Sean Jackson for a couple games was their speed. He's dude. When I would love to see what he does. Yeah, because we can go back. I'll go back while you're talking to see what he did in uh, uh, 2017 in that production wise. But to get him out there, because look, most of the stuff right now is underneath the hash marks with Zach Ertz, especially last year in the middle between the numbers. The Eagles were 37 for 44 targeting him for 314 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Once had 119.1 NFL passer rating targeting him between the numbers before the first down hash mark. 
37 for 44. That's insane. Yeah. 314 yards. Yeah. This is a, uh, that's, he's probably the most uh, I'm excited about uh, to see with this, with this speed. I mean, obviously I want to see Rager. I want to see the receivers, but, but Ertz with this much space, like, like I said, I'm excited to see the best Zach Ertz because so, we haven't seen the best Zach Ertz. I went back to Zach Ertz 2017 season to see what his receiving directions were. And I'm right. So it wasn't the outside left that he perfected that year, though. It was really the between the numbers, past the hash marks. The Eagles were 16 for 21 targeting him, 221 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. But Wentz had 125.3 NFL pass rating. So you add that speed because you're probably going to put Goodwin in the slot a lot. You're probably mm-hmm. going to put Deshaun Jackson in the slot a lot. You're probably going to put Jalen Rager in the slot a lot because you're, you're actually looking at a wide receiver core that isn't defined by Pacific rules anymore. Because Aguilar can't win on the outside, he wins in the slot. Uh, Jordan Matthews doesn't win on the outside, he wins in the slot. They don't have that in their wide receiver court anymore. They can move guys all around. You're going to see Zach Ertz win between the numbers. And I would still say the outside left a lot next year. Especially considering the fact that I think he's going to line up at X a lot. With Alshon Jeffrey being out, I don't think J.J. Arcega-Whiteside with this offseason is really going to propel him to be productive right off the bat. I think you're going to see Zach Ertz line up on the outside left a lot next year. I, I think I will keep your eye out for it. Pass the ten yard, uh, pass the first down. Look at him on the outside left and see how productive he is next year with all the speed added in the slot and on the uh, at the Z position. I think it's going to be great. I think you're going to see a crazy Zach Ertz too. I, I just look at when you look back all throughout the seasons and see what made him successful when the Eagles did have speed and uh, what makes him successful when the Eagles don't have speed, and you try to form an opinion together of what you're going to see in this new offense. If it's fully healthy and you do have that speed, Zach Ertz looks like he's going to have a great year. Hell yeah, yes sir. By the way, uh, let's just let's just get right into it. How the fuck is Robert or Rob Gronkowski above Zach Ertz when it comes to Madden? What's going on? I mean, I'm so, an avid I'm an avid Madden player, real quick. And in the ratings are always bonkers to me. Uh, just every right. year, like, I I hate complaining about them all the time because they're always wrong. And not only that. I just, I just can't. The Reigns are just as a Cowboys fan. <sighs> the Reigns just as a Cowboys fan. So, like, you always had to think, like, if there's any sour feelings that go into making these ratings, because that girl kills the Cowboys. Oh, my gosh. Dude, I mean, Miles Sanders was... in 80, but Dice in 81. Wentz in 84. That... Ertz in just a 90. Uh, Darius Slay was in, I think, at 89. Yeah. Um, it's just. Miles Sanders, though, was the biggest robbery. Of I the agree. Time. I mean, it's I, still weird to get Zach Ertz a 90 and Gronk a 95. That's, I, 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 mean, Gronk's, I expected Sanders to be kind of low. I didn't expect him to get too much hype, but the, the Geis rating was more so like. Right. That doesn't. You if, know, you're gonna, if you're going to make that argument for Sanders, then you better give that for Geis. He's proven nothing. Exactly. Yeah. I but, didn't. But, I, I think I think people no, that will come around. That to, slide to week sixteen. That slide week sixteen definitely. That probably did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, He's Sanders had a better year than Josh Jacobs, and they they felt fine giving Josh Ooh, Jacobs eighty eight. I don't I don't know if he had a better year than Jacobs. Josh Jacobs had a better rushing year. Sanders had a better overall year. <sighs> That's in tough. every aspect. I'm, I'm high on both of them. He had more I scrimmage was... yards. More yards for scrimmage. Well, Jacob Smith. I like Josh Jacobs too, but I Jacob Smith the game because of his shoulder. So the still, I I I'm both. Josh I don't Jacobs, wanna, I don't Josh, wanna, Jacobs is, Josh Jacobs is not a good receiver. That's not where see. he thrives. He's a good runner. 
I think he'll so, be improved a lot in Gruden's year and uh, round or year two. Oh, he was good. He was good. He's a good running back. I just he's all two down bad. That's why the Raiders went right away to get a receiving back in this draft. In both, they drafted yeah. Lebodin like uh, immediately. That's yeah. why when I and you and I did this episode. That's why I'm ashamed that you forgot that already. That I said why Miles Sanders is in for such a big year is because you look at even the Raiders with Josh Jacobs who got drafted before him. Hey, fired. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want you to think that I'm hating on Sanders. I'm not hating. I don't on think Sanders. you're hating. I just think <laughs> I think Miles Sanders is better than Josh Jacobs personally. Ooh, and that's that's where I think that they're both extremely productive backs. But I, <laughs> ah, what a cop out! What a cop out! No, I don't cop know. I, if I had to take one, I would take Josh Jacobs. I would. Yeah, All right. I would Ooh, no, yikes! Yeah. Yikes for that. Because then I think I think Eagles offense where you need the receiver uh, running back to catch the ball. That's Josh Jacobs not going to play as much as Miles Sanders will. But all right, that's up to you, bud. That's all you. Anyway, so <laughs> let's get back. Let's get into what we were actually continue the show and what our topics were. We discussed Rodney to Cloud. Uh, I made him in that in my top twenty list, and we need to get your top twenty list for the airway. By the way, people. Oh yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, get way, back to what yours. Yours is better than Johnny's, dude. No, I'm just oh, that's I'm not. Kidding. That's a, I'm about to say that's not a popular opinion. He won. <laughs> um. Anyways, let's get back. I'm glad, that, the I'm glad that we're talking. I'm glad that we're talking Rodney. Um, I I don't know how you're gonna describe him, but. Um, he, to me, is one of the most important defensive players uh, for the Eagles this year. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. He is, he's, he's, I, I don't know who can play single high other than him. Um, no, they don't have a stage they can play single high. Yeah. It's, did, the, ground, the ground that Rodney McLeod, cover, Rodney McLeod covers is, is, uh, is special for this defense. Um, he's super, like if he gets hurt, and that's, that's what I mean when it comes to value, if, if he were to get hurt, I think that they have to put Avante Maddox there. Um, I don't think that yeah. there's any other realistic uh, mm-hmm. replacement. And and I don't know if you guys remember Avante Maddox against Washington last year, but um, he did not play well. He had he had some awful angles. Uh, Terry McLaurin's touchdown was one of them. Um, Maddox is, I mean, he's he's still improving. I know that they're kind of throwing him in nickel outside safety. Um, he's kind of a hybrid, but. Rodney McLeod and what he brings to this defense, and then you add a corner like Darius Slay, and we kind of talked about it um, on a previous episode, but he, we're only going to see a better Rodney McLeod now that he actually has a, a, a corner that he could rely on and not have to shade to one side, or he can shade to one side and say, hey, Darius, you know, you do, you do your thing, you lock up that side. Um, but Rodney's uh, range is, is, um, is special for this defense. What makes me mad is people think, like – People talk as if Rodney McLeod's bad. That's just not the case. That's not. It's not the case at all. Uh, the thing that I think that I, my my number one issue with Rodney McLeod is probably missed tackles. But yep. I mean, this defense is susceptible to missed tackles, it's, especially when you're playing that. That people really underrate how tough that is to play that center field position. There's so much like- space. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air. For one man to cover. Yards. It's like 20 yards from the line yeah, of scrimmage. For one man to cover. For one yeah. man to cover, too. It's just so much. So that's – I give majority of the missed tackles a slide for that – position specifically because I understand the nuances of it and everything like that. But in coverage last year, he was stellar. He was stellar in coverage last year. Quarterbacks had a 52 passer rating with targeting him. 
He did give up a touchdown, but he had two interceptions. He had four pass breakups. He was targeted 30 times, allowing 60 receptions for 163 yards. There was there was nothing bad about his play last year. Who do you think uh, leads coverage- the Who do you think leads the the Eagles in interceptions this year? Would you say Slay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I, I think I think, I think obvious- uh, no, actually, Nicole Robbie Coleman. Oh, that's a good one. I think those I are the. Think, top I don't think. I, I think McLeod has a chance. I think four weeks into uh, the twenty twenty season, I think teams are going to learn not to target Slay. Yeah, right. Shy away from him. I think they're going to learn that. Okay, he he actually returned to a system that he was drafted into, so he does know it and he can play it well. Uh, let's, start, let's stay away from him. Let's pick on like whoever wins the cornerback two job and Nicole Rodney Coleman take our chances. I think that's you're seeing more likely of that because uh, with the Lions they had a good secondary. It wasn't like well then they traded Quandre Diggs and things got weird after they yeah. I, they went the midway through the season they they just started to deteriorate their secondary and trade him away. But they over the years they've had other players where the Eagles just have just had Malcolm Jenkins so uh, and Rodney McLeod and that's their their safety is a quarterback position has been awful. Uh, so I, I think when you look at the Eagles and Slay, because I think there's still question marks if he's on the downside of his career or not. But I think I, I think give it like four weeks, five weeks into the season where he's asserts himself as still the dominant player that he is, teams will start saying, okay, we can't, we we need to look otherwise and target the other side of the field. Uh, so that's why I think that's going to be tough for Slay to lead in interception. So that's where I'm thinking maybe Ruby Coleman, but uh, I, I think a lot of people like still I, I wouldn't even have thought of that. I wouldn't even. I think a lot of people's vote would be Slay though, because Slay does get a lot of interceptions. I just don't think he's going to be targeted that much, especially uh, with the pass rush. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But no, go back to McLeod. So his coverage grade last year was seventy, which is above average for PFF terms. But he's never had a coverage grade below seventy with the Eagles. It's always been a steady. It was seventy-seven point four in two thousand seventeen, seventy-eight point two in two thousand eighteen. But he barely played. It was only one hundred eight cover snaps. Uh, he played 639 cover snaps last year. He had 70 grade. Like it's not Rodney McLeod. And again, I think this season you'll see the best that Rodney McLeod has to offer in terms of playing for the Eagles, because he's two years removed from the ACL MCL. He finally has that cornerback one, like you said, with Darius Slay. I think the secondary, the cornerback picture is a lot brighter than it's ever been during his tenure in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. The versatility that they have at safety now, because it's not like you're you're putting McLeod out there with Jenkins and Marcus Epps or Andrew Sadejo. It's you're putting McLeod, Mills, Parks, Kayvon Wallace, uh, Grayland Arnold, who I like as an undrafted free agent. I think he's going to end up making the team. They have a lot of depth where they're going to throw some other safeties out there that help a lot more instead of two aging safeties in McLeod and Jenkins. I think that also has to play into your factor. But to act like... Rodney McLeod, especially last year. Last year, Rodney McLeod was better against the run than Malcolm Jenkins was. He had 21 yeah. stops. Yeah. As a single yeah, high safety, he had 21 stops. So and it I'm, wasn't even like he was in a position that Jenkins was to stop the run. He was in a worse position to do it. And he had 20 run stops playing the single high position. Yeah. the Them retaining McLeod and deciding to move on from Jenkins, in my head, it made a lot of sense because, again, going back to the single high thing, Jenkins just is not a single high safety. Um, he is near the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. uh, basically a hybrid linebacker at this point in his career. Um, I think that that's much easier to replace. So when they retained McLeod, it made sense in my head before it happened. And so when it did happen, it was almost further 
uh, confirmation. You could so, argue because again, it was a his quarterback's target when targeting him last year had a fifty-two passer rating, which was a career high for him. Like to get like everything else has been uh, that was his career best for him. Excuse me, is what I meant to say. I think the Eagles thought Rodney Cloud at this point can give us more going forward than Malcolm Jenkins can on an extension. Hundred percent. I think you could argue Malcolm Jenkins' play was deteriorating. I I think Malcolm. I think take away age out of the equation, uh, like you just said, because Malcolm Jenkins cannot play the single high position. Rodney McLeod can. Take the age out of the equation. Give Rodney McLeod that extra boost of you because you know watching football over the years. I'm sure many viewers will know as well. When you come that second year, you come back with that ACL injury is usually your best you're fully healthy, your legs are fully, you feel at your best. And Rodney Cloud still has been training this whole entire offseason with Malcolm Jenkins. He's been training with Will Parks. Uh, Will Parks told me on this podcast uh, last time that the last two offseasons he's been training with Rodney Cloud and Will Parks. So there's already going to be a chemistry built there. There's already chemistry built with Jalen Mills. Rodney McLeod, I think you're looking at, again, he had a career best when targeted pass rating last year. I think you're looking at somebody whose play is going to continue to get better for the Eagles, and that's why they thought giving the two-year deal uh, at a reasonable rate was a smart move rather than paying Jenkins an extension because you can get better play from Cloud moving forward in his role than you could in Jenkins' role, especially when you consider the fact that they pretty much took Jenkins' salary and turned it into uh, Darius Slay's uh, cap hit for this year, Nicole Roby Coleman's cap hit for this year, uh, Will Parks cap hit for this year, Kayvon Wallace, uh, Jalen Mills cap hit for this year. So they 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 value quantity in in this specific role that they're trying to replace Malcolm Jenkins. I think they did the right way of going about it. I think they would have had a much much tougher time replacing McLeod's role. All right, so well, I want to wrap this up real quick with uh, going on to Doug Peterson, my friend. Uh, those CPS rankings came out. We haven't really had. Uh, any good time to discuss it real quick. So I want to go ahead and get into it and see how you feel. CBS Sports ranked Doug Peterson the ninth best head coach. Let's just let's uh, start this segment off with saying that these CBS rankings have been god awful. Their safety yeah, they've been awful. So, they've been so bad. But, but I yeah. think this I think this coach one was probably the worst. Um, no, it was the worst because you have yeah. So you have Doug Peterson who's won a Super Bowl behind guys like Kyle Shanahan who haven't. Uh, Sean McVay, who blew it against the same team that Doug Peterson beat with his backer quarterback, completely blew it. I thought he was an offensive genius. They went out there and put up three points. Goff really shit the bed. But, you know, Doug Peterson had his backup quarterback in a position to put up 41 points. But that's just my my take on that. Uh, when they talk about coaches like Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, Sean Payton, and maybe even Mike Tomlin to put uh, Doug Peterson behind, I could agree with that. Uh, if it was my rankings, I would have Doug Peterson fourth behind Peyton, uh, Reed, and Belichick. I think Tomlin's arguable. I think John Harbaugh's arguable. To me, John Harbaugh, I think, is riding the curtails of Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson's offensive success, to be honest with you right now. I think John Harbaugh's a great head coach, though. I do think he's top five. But uh, they were – I think the Ravens' ship was derailing to the point where they had to take this chance on uh, the athlete, the star that Lamar Jackson was. And then you get an offensive coordinator who performed well 
and took a team to the Super Bowl in an offense that Lamar Jackson is best suited for, like Greg Roman did with the 49ers and Colin Kaepernick. So I think that's what really rejuvenated the uh, the Ravens uh, right now in their offense. But I wouldn't put John Harbaugh above. No, I mean, I to me, when you're nitpicking, you know, because th- these guys are all really good head coaches. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. It's not even, like this list is – it's not like they chose the, the wrong coaches for the top ten. It's, it's just the a shitty order, order that they yeah. put him in his right. weird. Right. Would you put like, Pete Carroll above Doug Peterson? No, and that's what I was gonna gonna go on and say here is Pete Carroll. Uh, I I may have Tomlin above him, um, but Carroll, Harbaugh, and, and you can throw Tomlin in there. When we're when you're when I'm ranking a, a head coach, I want to know if you're going to be play calling uh, mm-hmm. because that is a consistent thing, right? So you know Pete Carroll. These guys have to rotate offensive and defensive coordinators, which means that your offensive defense can be inconsistent. So if I and, and ranking head coaches, I have a hard time when I'm nitpicking putting a guy who's just like a special teams coach or, you know, the leader of men. Um, I, I want a guy who can, can call an offense um, because that is going to be my offense for the next 10 years or so in an ideal world. Um, so like Shanahan to me gets a bump. McVay gets a bump. Peterson gets a bump to me. Um, and then that's what makes, I think, Bill, Bill Belichick so crazy is his level of consistency while he's – I mean, he does kind of control the defense, but he doesn't call plays, I don't believe. Um, but and, – and that's why Andy Reid to me is 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 number two. I don't mind that. Um, but there's just no way you can justify putting um, Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan above Doug Peterson. Um, they've, they, they all – That's recency bias. Yeah, they've, they've all made – no coach has dealt with more injuries than Doug Peterson, and he's still made the playoffs right. three consecutive years with the with a Super Bowl win, and he scored forty one damn points with a backup. And then you have Sean McVay sitting in the bed with three points with a starter. It's Shanahan. The blame goes to the quarterback, right? right. Sean McVay That's my point. Off. Yeah, that we said off there for Sean McVay. If you put Doug Peterson, if you put Jared Goff in Nick Foles' shoes in two thousand seventeen when they played the Patriots Super Bowl fifty two. Doug Peterson would have Jared Goff in a better position to beat the Patriots than Sean McVay had Jared Goff in to beat the Patriots. Uh, when things started shitting the bed with Jared Goff and he started the pressure started getting to him and he couldn't operate, Sean McVay couldn't do anything else outside of that. I think Doug Peterson would get creative and get stuff done outside of that. It wasn't like the Eagles scored on on the Patriots in crazy. I mean, like. In really scripted ways, they scored him with a Philly special. That didn't take Nick. That was Trey Burton throwing that pass. It wasn't Nick Foles. So, like, when things started going awry with Jared Goff, Sean McVay didn't know what to do at that point. When things started going awry with Jimmy Garoppolo, when he couldn't make the passes to win the Super Bowl, when he couldn't hit Emmanuel Sanders for that touchdown, uh, Kyle Shanahan leaned on the run. And that's the it still didn't win in the Super Bowl. So, gotta have cojones. I think, yeah. Doug Pearson, I know a lot of people were going to be like, well, Brandon Graham, that had nothing to do with Doug Pearson. But Doug Pearson took his backup quarterback who started, what, two games after Carson Wentz went down and then a, a two postseason starts before that Super Bowl and beat the best coach all time with the arguably best quarterback all time. Dropped 41 on them with his backup quarterback. So I don't if Sean McVay can't do that, but Doug Pearson can, why is he ranked above him in this list? Because if you're going off of regular bro. season wins, if we're, win if we're going to start, bro. yeah, 
If we're going to That's award right. people for regular season wins, Chip Kelly should still be a head coach in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> I love how – so it, it's – yeah, CBS. He he even doubled down on the tweet. He, he doubled said. down horribly too. And I mean, we're, I know we're a little late on this, discussing this topic. And I think a lot of people will disagree with maybe like the John Harbaugh takes I had. But this this dude, his reasonings are awful. His <laughs> yeah. reasonings are awful. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is a good quarterback. Good enough. I don't want to say he's great or anything, but he's good enough to obviously go to a Super Bowl with because he I don't think he played extremely bad and it was really his first full season starting last year. You said Jimmy but, G? Yeah. yeah. Kyle Shanahan still doesn't have an successful head coach record, which, again, the 49ers were in a complete rebuild. They gave him a seven-year contract for a reason when they first hired him. Uh, Shanahan had no reason to lose that Super Bowl. The Niners overall were the better team. Yes, the Chiefs had Pat Mahomes, but overall the defense, like well balanced. The Niners were the best team in football last year. They they should have won, um, and they blew that. They blew that. Uh, and living right, in California, so being next here's to my the thing with these coaches fans. with when let's just say because well, I can remember this fondly when they're when these coaches their quarterbacks make a mistake they didn't do anything to help bounce back from those mistakes. When Nick Foles throws that ball up to Alshon Jeffrey and it goes off his hands and it's picked, the Eagles stayed calm. They continued going out there. And when most teams when most teams can fall apart after that quarterback mistake, especially against a team like that's being coached by Bill Pelichick and ran by Tom Brady. So I think it's it's not even just Kyle Shan this Super Bowl wasn't even just Kyle Shanahan's first offensive fallout. Right, Falcon. It wasn't his first time. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. to put him to three, above man. this list for what he's doing with the 49ers, he, he's been part of two sinking offensive ships in two Super Bowls. I'm a firm believer that people who make these type of lists, obviously you want to get a reaction. I do think that there's a narrative, and it's a correct one, that Eagle fans are very passionate. Uh, so you just disrespect the team a little bit. You know, lower the rankings a little bit, whether it be with Wentz or Peterson, uh, and it causes a stir. Um, I, I think I think, it, it. I think it can be intentional because uh, some of these, and I mean, they're doing a job because we're if talking Pete about Carroll, it <laughs> if if Pete Carroll, look here, because a lot of people are going to be like, well, I, I don't know about putting Pete Carroll above Doug Peterson, but I do. If Pete Carroll never finds Russell Wilson, he's never the head coach he is right now. Yeah, yeah, and and that and that's where. Like, what is the definition of a coach? Like, I mean, how much does the draft, uh, like, does the draft? No, because play? we have we have history go back off of he was he wasn't anything with the Patriots as a head coach. Yeah, he didn't do anything. I mean, I think they took him to the wild card round with Tavares Jackson, but there were seven or nine at the. I agree. I don't think year. Peterson, it's, or I mean, I don't think Carroll is a. I think he's a. I think he's a great startup coach. He hasn't accomplished anything outside of Russell Wilson. So they, the quarterback there made the picture better. Yeah. You can't say uh, they work hand in hand well together. But when you're talking about people talk about Belichick made Brady and debate that, there's no debate to this. Russell Wilson made Pete Carroll. There's no debate. It's proven. Yeah. I don't mind that. Russell Wilson is the Seahawks right now and has been since. So Peterson has won with different quarterbacks. So again, an edge he has over Pete Carroll. People are just going Agreed. into longevity with this. Uh, this dude's really going – he's not even going into longevity with this. He's going into regular season win percentage. 
It's huge, man. Good reasoning. It's like I just said, Chip Kelly was what, 27 and 20? That yeah, right? he was he was 20 for the Eagles. I think he was 20 and 12. I think he was 20 and 12 after his first. No, because he was seven and nine. To so he was 20 and 12. Yeah, so he's 20 and, 12 and then, the first two seasons. And then he went seven and nine, six and, and nine. Seven. Sorry, six and nine because he got fired the, the the week prior to this. So he was like 26 and uh, 18. I don't, I don't like talking about it. I was 26, so 21. Still, that's at a positive win percentage. So this guy would put him on the list then. <laughs> that's what his argument is because he, he keeps arguing these regular season win percentages dude that doesn't mean shit you can I've seen I've seen the Giants and Tom Coughlin get into the playoffs at 9-7 and seven, or 10-6 and six, and beat an undefeated Patriots team in the Super Bowl the regular season records don't mean much to me it's what you do in the postseason and, and Doug Peterson has won a playoff game playoff games with Nick Foles Nobody, no, no coach in the NFL has, that has coached Nick Foles has done that outside of Doug Peterson. What he did with Foles is probably, uh, yeah that that Super Bowl run was one of the most impressive coaching. And not only that, here's another thing I want to get into, and then we'll end it with this. A lot of people question Doug Peterson since Frank Reich has been uh, has left for the Colts. I think that's the dumbest thing ever. I think Frank Reich is a great coach. I think John D. Filippo is a great coach. I think. Those guys' role never happened in Philadelphia unless Doug Pearson gives them those jobs. Teams weren't lining up to give Frank Reich an offensive coordinator position in 2016. Uh, he was the scapegoat on the Chargers on Mike McCoy's staff when they started to shaft those guys. And nobody, after after the Chargers fired Frank Reich, nobody was looking his way. It was Doug Pearson and his friendship with Frank Reich that got him the OC job in Philadelphia. I, I think Peterson. Johnny Filippino has been on a different team. Every year he's up the Eagles. One of Peterson's best traits is his willingness to get ideas from others. Uh, his his room yes. isn't it, it, it. Despite his success, it's he he doesn't come off uh, prideful or his ego is which is going important to get, for winning. It's and huge, that's an Andy man. Reed, that's an that's an Andy Reid mantra that I think that that's, absolutely you ha- but, you have to have like an open table. Uh, like conversation there. I mean, to, to sustain success um, and then create more ideas. And then he's, you see it too. He's bringing in new people. It seems um, every year or so. And it, it's not like overwhelming, but uh, as if you're just getting a change of, of culture, but when you can get these new ideas and new minds, um, I think it goes huge for advancing your offense. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. But Doug Peterson is what is the structure. Doug Peterson is the play card. Doug Sorry, Peterson I was doubling down on what – yes, correct. No, Sorry. you're correct. I, everything yeah. you're saying is right, and I think that's what separates Doug Peterson from maybe the rest because I don't think Sean McVay probably does that in retrospect. I think he probably does his own thing. That's why everybody calls him a genius. Shanahan too. Yeah, Shanahan too. But so yeah, I agree with you. Joe Peterson is ha- is open to different type of philosophies and incorporating him into his his system. But Doug Peterson is the structure. Doug Peterson is what puts the pieces together. Doug Peterson is the play caller. Doug Peterson is what propelled Carson Wentz. Play called him to an MVP caliber season. Doug Peterson is the play caller, the guy that was in Nick Foles' ear to help win him to guide him to a Super Bowl MVP and a victory over the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady. And I have these nine and seven these nine and seven seasons lately 
are completely a result of injuries. They've lost numerous amount of starters that they haven't been able to overcome. Because it's one thing to be injured and lose a starter and then have the debt to replace him. It's another to lose a starter and not have the debt to replace him. Alas, Deshaun Jackson, Mike Wallace the year prior, so on and so forth, because we've all known all the injuries the Eagles have gone through. And uh, just I want to hit on it, too, because you made a good point is his Peterson, when he gets hands on on quarterbacks and. Well, I don't want to say all, but he got his. Let's not forget when Wentz came out of North Dakota. It's not as if Wentz was this. I mean, yes, he was a promise. He went number two, but he, he was a raw prospect. And for him to step in year one and have the success he did is a reflection of Peterson and obviously the coaching staff. And then you already mentioned Foles and his success. I'm really excited to see what he can do with Jalen Hurts. I want to see what he can because Jalen Hurts is a raw prospect. Um, and I want to see it, – it's going to be exciting to see if what, what Peterson could do when he gets his hands on him. I mean, because that's it a seems good point. For Carson Wentz's development, that's a good point actually that, that I just think of that you raised that I'm going to elaborate on a little bit more that you might even be like, wow, like that's true. Uh, when he started Carson Wentz right away – that's not even how the Eagles started Donovan Knapp's career that Doug Peterson was a part of. That's not even how Andy Reid started Patrick Mahomes' career that Doug Peterson wasn't a part of, but he was there with Alex Smith was there with Andy Reid and all that stuff. So Doug Peterson went outside the box of what his predecessors have usually done and put his rookie quarterback out there right away to learn right away and play right away and has developed him into – since then, because even then, that was a tough season for the Eagles. They were 7-9. They had no receiving options. Uh, once his box score suggests he struggles, but uh, we all know from his playing and what he did out there on the football field, he was a very talented rookie quarterback. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. It didn't result yeah, in wins. I, I think I think you have to get Doug Pearson more credit with how he can develop and talk uh, develop quarterbacks because of, like I just said, he took a route that Andy Reid wasn't even confident enough to take. Uh, it took a while to put Tom Nav out there. It took a took a whole year to for, for them to, for Andy Reid to feel comfortable to play Patrick Mahomes. So it, it's interesting because even when the Eagles drafted Kevin Cobb, it took a whole a couple of years for the Andy Reid to feel comfortable to even name him the starter. So Doug Peterson went outside the box of what he learned, and so far it's worked because Carson Wentz has developed into uh, the team's franchise quarterback. Yes, sir, Dougie P. Dougie P. Yeah, we, we need we need all the hate and the stuff to stop on the So here's what we're going to say to end the show. Doug Peterson is an undisputed top five head coach in the NFL. The CBS list is wrong. Correct. Ronnie McLeod is super underappreciated starter on this team. And Tyler and I discussed exactly why and brought up some statistics to show you why. And Zach Ertz is uh, the best tight end in the NFL. I'm just oh. kidding. Go ahead. I'm just kidding. Do you really think he's the best tight end in the NFL, though? I think that if there was a redraft, I would have no problem selecting him uh, as my first tight end. Yes, I have no. I do have Kittle as my tight end one. I have George Kittle as my tight end one. But I I don't. Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey are interchangeable for me. Can I can I have a take on Kittle? I think Kittle is an incredible tight end. Um, I think his receiving ability is a bit raw. I think Kelsey and Ertz are kind of in their own tier. Kittle, I don't, I, I don't want to exaggerate this, but 
I think Kittle gets a lot of his production from being in Shanahan's offense. Uh, I, oh, I, I know think, it helps. I know that run game helps, but he has he has his quarterback's not that very accurate. Um, Agrees. Yeah, a ton of missed opportunities last year. I think he had I, I'm not missed. trying to I'm not trying to downplay Kittle. I do. I right. Do. I mean, that's your opinion, and I, I I understand it. You made a good valid points of why you feel that way. I, I think Zach Ertz, you could argue, as tight end too. I think I would. If I had to make a list, I'd put him at three, but I could change him at between Kittle. I mean, not Kittle. Excuse me. I could change it between Travis Kelsey and him easily. One thing's for sure is Rob Gronkowski is not better than Zach Ertz at this point. Not, in time. not you know, not going into the twenty twenty season. No, yeah, no, not going into the twenty twenty season. Absolutely not. No. So, thanks for tuning into Eagles Brawl again. Tyler Stegey here with Connor Miles. Johnny Page will be back soon. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to uh, leave a five star rating review on Apple Podcast. Any questions for the show that you want to answer on there? Just go ahead and shoot them to us. We'll definitely answer them. Tyler is a huge Zach Ertz fan, and he wants you to know it. Peace, guys. Peace. Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean, but so what happens? That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox fabric sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox. Discover the new 3-Step Pro Partial range, specifically designed to clean your partials and remaining teeth in three simple steps. Clean your partial, strengthen your natural teeth, protect your whole mouth. Stand up to further tooth loss with Polident Pro Partial, available at Walmart. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.